Catch a pitch from the Carlton Footy Club. You listen to the coaches panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Hello, it's MJ from the coaches panel, the number 47 player in my 50 most relevant list for 2020. Is West Coast Eagles ruckman Nick Natanui. I feel like every time I have a player that's had an ACL injury, I feel the need to bring in Benny Gogos. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well, mate. This is another exciting guy. I mean, West Coast could have done with Nick Nat in 2019, oh, but man. I think our fantasy sides might um, do very nicely within that 2020 with a, a nice little discount. Yeah, we talked about it a couple of days ago when it comes to the Adelaide Crow Tom Do Day. That, you know, while we never wish injury on anybody, just the three home and away games last year for Nick Nat um, does mean he's going to present some significant value for us. He's going to come in at just over 450000 in Supercoach and almost identical pricing in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, right around that $470,000 price mark across all your formats. Uh, his highest score last year in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team was against the Magpies, an 82, while in Supercoach, 99 against the Hawks. His average last year, not that he's priced at that in any of the formats, he went at seventy. 22 in AFL Fantasy and 93 in Supercoach. I think when we, you know, think about Nick Nat, look, you know, over 200 centimetres, you know, massive 110 kegs, you know, hulking frame. He is one of the most dominant big men we've got, you know, this aerial ability to take these huge contested pack marks, just a dominant ruckman who just wins hit outs at ease. And, and something, Ben, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, in depth later on in the episode is he wins hit outs comfortably against most Ruckman, it's not like he struggles against Ruckman and sometimes we look at that with our Ruck, ruck matchups, we look at the fixtures and go, oh, okay, he's got some difficult ones. With Nick Nat, I'm genuinely not concerned about him coming up against any Ruckman going, he might have a bad score here because of the opposition. He's just so good in those hitouts. Well, that's the thing, uh, especially when we're looking at the super coach scoring system. So he, he will rely on hit-outs to advantage. He'll rely on center clearances. So looking through his, his numbers, it's a little bit um, surprising, actually. From 2016 to 2019, I think, prior to that, uh, hit-outs were a bit lower among Ruckman. But mm. over those three seasons, he had averaged 34, 30, and then obviously just the, the 30 in um, 2019 across the three games. But what he does with those hit-outs is, pro- you know, is honestly a lot better than what a lot of other Ruckman do. So... He might he might only get you thirty hitouts, which you know we're looking at someone like Max Gorn, who's really pushed that number up. Brody Grundy's pushed that number up, but what he does with those hitouts is sometimes phenomenal. So his the way he plays his football is just so suited to the, um, the scoring system. He does so much of his work um, in contests, deep in congestion. He's so prolific in those tight in and under spaces. He's going to win going to, you know, attain tackles. I mean, his best tackling season, four, four tackles in 2018 across 15 games. Like, he will do it all in space. He's not going to be prolific with uh, uncontested work. He's never averaged more than 13 possessions in a season. But that's why he's just so dynamic in that Supercoach scoring system. And if you look at it from 2011, which was his third season, he has not averaged below 90 in Supercoach. So that's a, that's a pretty phenomenal 
rate over a nine-year scoring period. Yeah, look, it is decent. He really did break out in 2011 and 2012, which was, by the way, ruck-sharing with Dean Cox at the time. 93.8 in Supercoach, 113.8 in uh, Supercoach the following year, 2012. Uh, had his one of his best years, not his best AFL Fantasy and Dream Team year, but 86 that year. A little quieter for him, still averaging 90-plus in Supercoach in 13 and 14. And then it was 2015 when he took the sole ruck responsibility and we started to see those scores kick back up across the formats pre-injuries. Um 2015, 88 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 103 in Supercoach, 84 in 2016, and 105 in Supercoach. Um, and he did battle a, a little bit of uh, Achilles injuries in that 2016 season. Um, but just as the Eagles were kind of pushing for a flag tilt, uh, did his uh, first of his ACL injuries um, in, against the Hawks in round 22. He, because of that, missed the entirety of the 2017 season. But in 2018, things were tracking genuinely okay. Coming back off ACLs, it's something we talked about just a few days ago with Tom Doday, is how do guys come back? Well, for Nick Nat, a little bit down, but still solid. Pre-injury, 80 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, and 96.6. So we've got some data to know how does he come back off injuries. A little down, but still solid. If we were to take that injury-impacted game in 2018 out where he did his knee, 83 in AFL Fantasy and 100 in Supercoach. So he's tracking along okay for us, Benny. That When we see these guy coming back from multiple injuries, he's now done in 2018, he injured the other knee, so it's certainly not the same one is we see a guy that, even coming back off ACLs, he can score way better than he's currently priced at for us. Yeah, for sure. Um, that is really positive in the, in the sense that we have actually seen him come back from one of these in the past. The negative is that he's done one in the past, and we're looking now at 18 of a possible 66 home and away games over the, the yeah. past three seasons. Um which, of course, is the major negative with him. But, look, honestly, as, as I alluded to earlier and as you've been talking about throughout, his scoring has never been in doubt, um, yeah. especially in Supercoach. You kind of know what you're going to get. Body-wise, we don't know what we're going to get exactly. But, look, we, we know with this guy that if he plays, if he's on the park, he scores fantasy football points. So... I mean, even in Dream Team, that 2015 season, he averaged 88, and that was with a monster back half of the season. Mm. He, uh, he had produced, I think, some uh, five of his last nine scores in Dream Team that season. Five of his last seven actual scores in Dream Team of the home and away season were 100. So yeah. he's, quite, he's quite capable in that scoring format as well. Of course, he's always been much better suited to Supercoach. But look, if, he, if he's out there on the park, MJ, he's going to be scoring points, mate. Yeah, and that's the key thing. And we, I do want to talk about his, his durability in a moment. And we did see it last year with Nick Nat that when he's on the field, he's still scoring really strong for us. Um, across last year, just those few games that he played, including finals, his time on ground was 56% of an average for those five games he played, um, including finals last year. And yet he's still scoring 70s and 80s in Dream Team and Fantasy and 80s and 90s um, in Supercoach 
from just over 56%. In fact, his highest percentage of game time on field last year um, was 62% in the semifinal loss to Geelong. That's as high as he got. Um, He did come off and hurt himself with an ankle injury. That's why he played those kind of round 15 to 17 stretch and hurt himself. And that is the big concern now around durability. Um, But when he plays, as you've said so well, we know he's going to score. His value, he's got great ceiling. He's got it. But the big question mark is around his durability. Is he going to play enough games to make him a worthwhile selection? I think that's the big question. Absolutely. Uh, So what we can see over his career history from a games played perspective, he's never, except for his second season, he has never played 22 games. So that's one in 10 seasons he's been in the AFL. Yeah. Um, entering his 29th, uh, 20, well, he's like 29 now, so he's going to turn 30 in May. So right around sort of the peak time for Ruckman, you think he's going to have another one, two, maybe even three really good years left in him um, if all goes to plan. So, yeah, we're, just, we're looking at those numbers. If you do select him, um, and I'm certainly not against that selection, but if you do, you probably have to be banking on the fact that even as a best-case scenario, he might miss three or four games for the season. Yeah. Um, so whether we have uh, a playing option on the bench, that might work out. Whether he's a guy that we look to upgrade at some point, and obviously we have a couple of great premium rucks these days that probably need to be brought into every single side in the competition. <laughs> um, it's just a difficult one, I mean. But, yeah, so he, he's someone that I look at and I think if he can just play that first 10, 11 games up until the bye, the other annoying issue with him is he does have that round 12 bye. Yeah. But if he can just get through to the bye and maybe get a week or two further, um, he's going he's gonna to make you cash, especially in Supercoach. Uh, he's, you know, as a best-case scenario, it wouldn't completely shock me if he was in triple figures. Yep. Um, I don't expect him to be there, but that's, that is a possibility. Um, and really, you can, you can see this going one or two ways where, look, he gets injured, he's painful. A lot of the, the people in the competition that had him, he's, not, he's obviously going to be highly popular. He always is. Yep. Um, you know, it's going to be a trade. But in, a, in the scenario that he actually goes at triple figures or, you know, perhaps a little bit beyond, and he is going to be popular here, he always is as long as he's... Um, as long as he's fit and firing come round one, then you're going to be left behind a lot of the competition. So he's actually a, he's going to be a, a cornerstone of our fantasy seasons in 2020. Uh, and making the right decision on, on him is going to be quite imperative to your, your success, I believe. Yeah, I think so too. Look, in terms of how he's fit, again, we said right at the top of the episode, he scores well against everybody he he doesn't come up against them and struggle in the hitouts he might not get as much around the ground when he comes up to the likes of a, a Brody Grundy um for example but there's enough data to suggest that he's still going to score well for us when you look at the fixture again he's got a really bad one round 12 if it was round 14 it'd be perfect but he's opening five uh, matchups for the year just from a reference point Melbourne round one St Kilda round two Geelong round three Port Adelaide round four, and then Richmond round five. The only one that's really of any level of concern 
would be that round one matchup against Melbourne. But again, it's not a huge concern for me. The biggest concern is around his durability, um, but he's a start or a pass, in my opinion. There's enough data to suggest that if you're going to pass on him because he's injury, quote-unquote, prone at the start of the year, those um, variations and variables are only going to further increase with every game he plays. Therefore, he's a start or a pass for me um, in the salary cap formats of the game. And it's just uh, ride it for as long as you can because you know when he's fit and firing, he's going to score for you. Yep, not wrong. I think we've we've said all we need to say on him. He's a great scoring option. Um, he's injury prone. It's going to be a part. I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about his draft selection because that is that's one that's clearly going to be a big conundrum for every single fantasy coach. Yeah, and look for me, it's very format to format dependent because he's so his scoring and his style of play is heavily rewarded in the super coach scoring as opposed to dream team and fantasy. Look, you know, Gorn and Grundy are still widely considered the top two rucks again entering to 2020 and you can you can build a case in all formats that they're first round selections. Um, where Nick Nat goes in will depend on that format. For AFL Fantasy and Dream Team right now, he's currently ranked outside of the top 20 in rucks. The positive about that is he is going to slide a little bit in people's minds. Again, unless you're in a league where people do heavy research and maybe you're in one of those, which is well done for you. Um, I, I do struggle to see how the guys like, you know, Wits, O'Brien, Goldstein, Martin, Lysett, all probably will get picked ahead of him. Tim English, you know, will get some preseason hype as well. But it's probably a Brown then, Sam Jacobs is another who's probably going to get picked ahead of him. But he's probably then in that next batch. You know, Marshall, you should probably throw in that, Mitch. But, you know, when guys like Cruiser, Stanley, Lobb, Darcy, Nankervis, he's probably going to be one of those latter few draft rucks that get picked up. He, he could be quite great value late in a dream team and fantasy draft. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like we're we're taking a calculated risk. Yeah. But I I guess even you know with your first selection, um, you're taking a calculated risk. So everything is a risk. We we do have to keep in mind with fantasy that even the most the most consistent, the most durable players can have an injury prone yeah. season. So um, keep that in the mind whenever you're making a selection like this. As far as it goes with, with selection um, in fantasy, I would be thinking, hey, look, if I can pick him up in maybe the last yeah. eight selections of the draft, that might work out okay, especially if I've I've looked at um, R1. I haven't been able to nab any of these the really superstar Ruckman, absolutely. And I'm thinking, okay, I'll get this guy on the cheap. I might be able to match him up with someone else that I think might have a have a better season than what they've had in the past. Sure. And say, that's going to be potentially a weak one for me. But as a best-case scenario, that's quite competitive. And look, I've also taken another premium midfielder or I've taken another premium forward. Yeah. Um, that's, how, that's how you're going to be looking at that selection. Supercoach becomes more of an interesting one because I... I suspect that he might get taken a little bit higher up. I, I don't think, so. think he's yeah, I don't think he's going to be there maybe he's definitely not going to be there in the second half of the draft. Mm. Um so it's just your degree of confidence. Um you are gonna be if you're selecting him, he is gonna be your R one. Yeah. Um I feel a little bit more uh risk averse on that one because I just think 
if you take him, you really need to luck in that the R2 actually kind of has a breakout season or you might be putting 60s and 70s on the ground, which you really don't want to do when you've spent such such a valuable selection earlier in the draft. Um, so I would, pro- I would probably be avoiding unless you could kind of get him in the second half of the season, but... It's a horses for courses with draft selection, MJ. How do, how do you feel about that? Yeah, look, I think it's super coach. Again, it's a, it's a clear top two. You probably, again, based off last year's numbers, Goldstein probably has to get ranked in at number three. And then he probably, you can build a case again. He's got a bit more of the injury concerns, which you flagged really well. But you could probably build a case that he does belong in kind of the next grouping, which includes like O'Brien, Wits, Lysette, you know, maybe a Rowan Marshall if you don't think Paddy Ryder is going to impact him. So he does sit in, in that bunch too. I, I don't mind it, but again, it's all about what you do with those other selections pre him and how you mitigate the potential risk um, with either handcuffing him with another West Coast Eagles, whether you pick another additional Ruckman, you know, that you believe could also break out or something like that. It, there's so many different ways and strategies you can play it. Um, you're not, you're probably not losing your draft, Um selecting Nick Natanui in the, that kind of, you know, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 10th ruck kind of area selected off the board. You're not losing your draft with that selection, I wouldn't think. No, you wouldn't think so. The, I I would probably feel a little bit more confident um, with that selection. Obviously, like, I, I'm just trying to mitigate or risk it if there was a better ruck forward available. Yep. If you could couple couple him with someone like that. My my only concern with him is that how you take him at say your twelve uh say like round ten, um, he might be available, maybe maybe even he has to go earlier. And then you say, Okay, I've spent a, a high, relatively high selection, I'm gonna just take someone that's very average um as my second ruck. Maybe you, you couple him with a Vardy. Um yeah. that could be something that's that sort of makes a lot of sense because, you know, Nick Nat gets injured, Vardy comes in. We've seen, obviously, Hickey's there as well, so you'd have to be thinking about that. But you think if there's only one guy playing Ruck, they're probably going to produce okay scores. But um, yet, it is a bit of a a risk. But having said that, you know, as a best-case scenario, Nick Nat's one of the best uh, super coach Rucks out there. Yeah, exactly. The the risk is, you know, it's a classic risk-reward with him. The risk is his durability, that his body could let him down. But we've said that about so many different players for years, and then it doesn't seem to be a factor. So it's got to be about, yes, factor that in, but then make the selection based off what is the right thing for you. Because we've said it again, a lot of times this episode. When he's on the field, he scores. Minimize the risk as best you can, but no, you could get massive value, especially in the Supercoach format. Appreciate your thoughts on uh, Nick Nat, mate. Perfect, Matt. I'm, I'm looking really forward to this uh, 2020 fantasy season now. This is uh, going to be a very interesting ruck conundrum, but they always are, hey? Yeah, no, we wouldn't prefer it any other way other than this, and uh, appreciate your help. As always, if you want to go and check out the article about Nick Nat or any of the other players revealed so far in the 50 most relevant, you can go and do that at coachespanel.tv. All the links to join our Patreon and help support the Coaches Panel, you can find that there. And depending on the tier level of support, you can get early access to these episodes before anybody else and get yourself ahead of the crowd we get into the number 46 of the 50 most relevant tomorrow and i can't wait to chat about him then with you